Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Luke chapter 9, verse 19. Have you ever had a serious conversation, had to have a serious conversation with somebody and say, I think I will, I'll just text them. That's never a good idea. And maybe you've wised up and say, no, I don't think I'll text them. I think I'll call them. That don't always work out well either. And maybe you've learned from your mistakes and said, no, I don't think I'll text them or call them. I think it'd be best for me to sit down and have this conversation with them face to face. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This morning I want to continue our series entitled Face to Face. Looking at people in the Bible who had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. Today I want to look at the story of Zacchaeus. The Bible says as Jesus is coming out or coming, traveling to Jerusalem, he comes through a city called Jericho. And as he's coming through the city of Jericho, the first person he hears or the first encounter he has is with a man. We're not given his name. He's just known as the blind beggar. And he's coming into the city of Jericho, and there's already a crowd around him because, because everyone was attracted to Jesus. Even people that didn't like him wanted to hang around him. So there was a crowd following Jesus, and he comes into the city of Jericho, and there's a man who hears Jesus coming, but he cannot see him because of his blindness. And he cries out to Jesus. He says, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Those around him tell him, hush. Oh, mess with Jesus. Leave him alone. He, he doesn't want to be bothered by you. And he cries out even louder. Jesus, thou son of David, above all the noise, above the crowd, have mercy on me. And they said, I told you to hush. And then Jesus said, come here. Bring him to me. He gets up and he staggers around. And Jesus asking, what can I do for you? And he said, oh, Jesus, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus heals him on the spot. Can you imagine this? I don't know if he was born from birth, but what if he was? The first thing he ever sees is the face of Jesus. The Bible says after Jesus heals him that he follows Jesus 
Now the crowd's gotten larger. Now he's done healed a blind man. The crowd's gotten greater and bigger, and he's coming in to Jericho. And that's where we pick up on chapter 19, verse 1. He entered into Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able to because the crowd was so large and he was so short. So running ahead, he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus since Jesus was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, the Bible says Jesus looked up. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, come on down. Come on down because today it's necessary for me to stay at your house. So quickly he came down and, 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 and welcomed him joyfully. And then all who saw it began to complain and murmur and whisper and gossip. I was adding to that. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. And everything I've stolen and cheated from these people, being a tax collector, I'll pay back four times as much. And then Jesus, standing with Zacchaeus, said, Today, Salvation has come to this man's house. Because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. I want you to look just for a minute. The Bible says this man was a chief tax collector. And the Bible always lumps tax collectors in with sinners. Have you noticed that in the Bible? That's because they were thieves. See, the Jewish people were under Roman government, and the Romans were wise enough not to take the taxes themselves. They would find a Jewish man to take the taxes from the people, his Jewish brothers and sisters. And in order for the Jewish man, the tax collector, to make money... The taxes were already high. He would raise the taxes even more and then skim off the top. And he was the richest man in the neighborhood. So to his Jewish brothers and sisters, they hated him. Why? Because he was a traitor. Why? Because he was a thief. So therefore, he was a sinner, chief among sinners. And they lumped him up with every, all, all the other vile sinners you can think of. But no doubt, he was rich. In fact, the Bible makes it clear. He's a chief tax collector, and he was rich. This man had it all. He had it better than any of his Jewish brothers and sisters. He had the best house in the neighborhood. He had all the stuff that you would want. And that brings me to point number one. Stuff is never enough. Now, you better talk to me this morning. Don't you let the crowd, the nine o'clock crowd, be louder than you today. They've been louder than you for two months now. All right? And there's a lot less of them. Your stuff is never 
enough. What do I mean by that? I mean, there's a void in your life that only God can fill. And you can get all the stuff. You can get the new job. You can have the money. You can have the house. But it's not going to fill that void in your life. It's a God-shaped void. It's a God-shaped void. And we all come, we all come empty, empty, having this void that only God can fill. I've told you this before. I'll tell you again. I'll never forget Josh. He was a little boy. And, uh, and uh, Josh is my brother. And he was, um, had this yellow box. And you could see through the box, and there was holes in the box. There was triangle hole, there was a circle hole, there was a square hole, a rectangle hole. And I'll never forget Josh taking the triangle, and he was taking it, and he was slamming it into the circle hole, or the sphere hole, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. And he was slamming it in there, and I thought, Josh, no. I'd watch him day in and day out. Try to get the triangle in the circle hole. And see, some of y'all are thinking, well, just give him a break. Well, he was 12 years old. <laughs> I'm joking. <sighs> and then he'd take his something and beat in. Try to beat the wrong shape into the wrong hole to get it to fit. And that's how we do our lives. But you know what, we, what he would wind up doing? Damaging the box. And when you try to fill your life with stuff that God never intended, that will not fill the void, you end up damaging your life. You end up, come on somebody, you end up making more of a mess of your life. There's a void in your life that only God can fill. Somebody knows what I'm talking about right now. Somebody knows, I know I've tried to fill it with that stuff. And guess what? It does not work. The job will not work. The money will not work. The house won't be enough. The money won't be enough. The job won't be enough. The new relationship will not be enough. The relationship on the side will not be enough. Do you hear me? Only God can fill the void of man. We used to sing a song years ago. It says, I've tried it all and nothing else will do. More of you, Jesus. More of you. I've tried it all and nothing else will do. Is there anybody in here that might have that testimony that says, I've tried it all. I've tried the house. I've tried the card. I've tried the stuff. I've tried the high. I've tried the drugs. I've tried the drink. I've tried all the stuff and none of it works. Only God can fill the void. The Bible says he was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd, since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. 
Here's point number two. Never let your struggle keep you from seeking Him. What was this man's issue at hand at face value? His problem was he was short. And there was such a crowd around him that the only way that Jesus was going to see him or he was going to see Jesus was that he climbed up into the tree. And I want to say this. Zacchaeus' problem was he was short. But I don't want you to allow your shortcomings to keep you from climbing up in the tree. To keep you from seeking Jesus. What do I mean by that? I'm talking to Christians right now. I'm talking to believers right now. Hear me. I know what it's like to fail. I know what it's like to fall flat on my face. I know what it's like to strive to serve God and miss the mark. To come up short. Do you hear me? And I also know what it's like to take that shortness, to take those shortcomings and failures and wedge it in between me and God. And create distance between me and God. What am I saying? So I can't pray anymore. God, I can't pray. I can't go to church. There's too much stuff in my life. I've messed up too much. I got too much sin in my life. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So instead of running to God, you run from God and you put distance between you and God and you're struggling and now you're struggling even worse. But we serve a God that says, come to me. Come. Come to me. I remember I, I live in the same neighborhood now that I was raised in and I see things that remind me of my childhood. I see trees that I remember us climbing up in. You know, there's so much change between when I was a kid and now and the kids now. I remember Abrielle yesterday, it was just yesterday, eh? Abrielle said, look at that tree. I thought, yeah. She said, that would be a good climbing tree. I said, it sure would. My eyes get big. My heart is growing inside my chest. I'm thinking she's fixing to climb up this tree. She's going to be a kid, a child. Now, if we could take those shoes off of her, she could run around barefoot. She said, she looks at the tree and she said, well, I would, but there's ants. <laughs> there's so many ants on that tree. I said, look over here. And we looked through my property into our neighbor's property. And I said, you see that tree? I said, now that's a climbing tree. I said, we climbed all up in that tree. 
also was telling her about different things that happened in the neighborhood. As I was preparing for this message, actually it hit me this morning as I was preaching it. There used to be a neighbor that we had, and we we never got a lot. We, we were friends and then not friends, friends and not friends, friends and not friends. That's how you used to do, right? That's how some of you do with your boyfriends and girlfriends. <laughs> right now, as adults, it's, it's really amazing. Anyway, no judgment. But I would love to, if you, anytime you would like some wisdom, I'd love to give it to you. Um, but we would be friends one day, we wouldn't be friends. And, but we always needed to be friends with this, this young guy because he was the only one in the neighborhood that had a pool. Yeah. <laughs> An in-ground pool, you see. And when I was a kid, mama put you outside. That was it, buddy. It was like this. Hey, you go out or you come in, but you ain't doing both. In my house, you didn't go in and get no sandwich. You didn't go get a snack break. You didn't go get nothing to drink. You drove from the water hose and it don't kill you. Try it. It tastes weird, but when you're really thirsty about to die of dehydration, it quenches the thirst. You hear me? It'll work. I'd go to neighbors' houses just hoping I could get a Cheeto or something. <laughs> because I done learned. I done learned mama wasn't playing. If you do go back in, she is going to make you do something. So I would face the elements of a summer in South Georgia. From seven to seven. And it made it a little more tolerable when our neighbor was friendly because we had a pool. I can remember one time we got in some kind of little argument and made him upset. And I thought, it's cool. We're going to be all right. I said, listen. We're, I'm sorry. I'll never forget what he said. He turned around from that climbing tree and looked at me. Doesn't have my swimming trucks on and my, what's those things called? Uh, uh, wife beaters, but what are they called? Tank tops. I don't know why they call them wife beaters. That's not good. I woke up with swimming on my mind. And here, so I want to be the mediator. And I said, listen, buddy. I said, I'm sorry. He looked down from that climbing tree and he said, no more sorries. <laughs> what? No more sorry. I said, oh God. We're going to die out here. He ain't letting us. And there he went off, ran off to his mama. And that ain't fair either, but he would always go to his mama. Guess what? We didn't get to swim that day. No swimming that day. I don't think we got to swim the next day. But finally, we made up for it. 
He made up, we made up, we was good, and we was in there playing Marco Polo, and everything was wonderful. It was a good time in the pool again. But can I tell you this? When you go to Jesus, He's never going to look at you and say, no more sorries. Mm -mm. No. The Bible says that He will never put us to shame. I had somebody tell me this week, they said, Pastor, and it's the truth, and you know it is, Pastor, this year's been weird, and I know I'm far, I'm, 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 I'm distant from God. We didn't have church. I stayed home. I was watching it online. Then I quit watching it online. I stopped praying. I started picking up habits that I wasn't doing. I don't, I've done, I feel like I'm so far from God, I don't even know how to start again. You ever been there? Let's be real now. You ever been there? I don't even know how to start again. I don't even know how to pray, even how to start the prayer. And I looked at her and said, start like this. I'm sorry. I don't know if you've ever had to apologize for something. But there's a 50-50 chance they're not going to take it like you want them to take it. They might tell you, like my friend told me, our neighbor, no sorries this time. They, he may, they may tell you, what took you so long? You should have forgave me all. You should have apologized already to me. But Jesus ain't like my neighborhood friend. He ain't like some people. Come on now. He ain't like you, thank God. And he ain't like me, praise the Lord. I forgive you. But he will never put us to shame. Can somebody give God praise for that? The Bible says that Zacchaeus climbed up the tree. And I want to tell you, get back up. You better look at me now. Hear me. Get back up. Yeah, but I got some... Shortcomings in my life, it's a get up. Your struggle doesn't, can't stop you from seeking Him. In fact, see, it's religion that says, I messed up, I can't tell Dad. But the gospel relationship says, I messed up, I got to get to Daddy. I got to get to God. I got to, and you know what? God's standing there with arms open wide saying, Come back. Come back. Come to me. Don't run from me. Run to me. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Can you thank Him right now for that? Lift your hands and thank Him. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you are a God who will never put us to shame. The Bible says he climbed up in the tree. Jesus was about to pass by the tree. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up. Who did? Jesus looked up. He should have been looking ahead. He should have been looking around him. There's a crowd around him. But the Bible says that he looked up. Point number three. Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus, but the greater truth is Jesus was looking for him. Jesus was looking for him. You didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose you. He loved you first. This gospel changes our present, changes our future, but it is a past tense gospel. What do I mean by that? While you were yet a sinner, Christ over here, back here, you're over here, not even born yet. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. He loved you first. He chose you first. He gave you grace first. Jesus was looking at Zacchaeus. And he said, Zacchaeus, come on down. Come on. Out of all the crowd, the shortest man out of the bunch, the hardest to see, Jesus locked eyes with him up in that tree. And he said, come down. Zacchaeus, I want, to, I want to go to your house. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus comes on down from the tree and goes into, brings Jesus into his house. And Luke is writing this. Luke is writing this. He's writing all this down. That's what we're reading it. We're reading it from the account of Luke. Luke is reading it, uh, writing it down. And he writes, okay, uh, Zacchaeus comes down from the tree. They go into the house. And then Luke can't hear what's going on inside the house. The next thing he says is what? All the people, the crowd, begin to complain. I can't believe Jesus just went into that sinner's house. That's what it says. I can't believe that he's going to go in. Don't he know 
That man is a thief. He's a sinner. He's a traitor. He says the people begin to murmur. But what was going on in the house? Ooh, that could be a message. Oh, hallelujah. Write that down and tell me about it later. What was going on in the house? We don't know. But Jesus shuts the door and Zacchaeus and Jesus are now face to face. And I'm sure they were just cutting up for a little bit. Man, I appreciate you letting me in here. I, I, I really want to talk to you today. Zacchaeus said, yeah, I really want to talk to you. Yeah, man, that was something. Your little short butt got up there in that tree like that. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I'd say. But they sat down face to face. But what I really think Jesus, maybe he was cutting up a little bit with him. But then he began to ask him some sobering questions. Maybe sitting around all this luxury, he said something that he said before because we've read it. Jesus might have said, what is it, Zacchaeus? What have you gained if you gained the whole world? And lose your soul. Amen. Maybe he was sitting face to face with Jesus and said what he told Nicodemus, another rich man. Nicodemus, if you're going to inherit, look at me, look at me. The kingdom of God. They're okay. The kingdom of God, you must be born Again, something happened behind doors while the religious were complaining. Zacchaeus was changing. Something was happening. The Bible says he steps back out of the house. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. What, what's wrong? I just got overwhelmed by His grace. Just for a moment. steps out of the house and he said announces to all those who hate him I want to give half of everything I have to the poor and he looks over here to the crowd and he says to everybody I've done wrong I want to give you back 
four times. What I've stole from you. See, religion can't do that. Religion can't do that. Only an encounter with Jesus can change the heart of a man. You know how hard it would be? To look at people who hated you and say, I'm sorry. And then make it right. You know there were people in that crowd who said, ain't nothing changed about him. He's the same person he's always been. That's what they begin to say. He's putting on a show. So you either believe, and I'm sorry for my emotion. He, so you either believe that people can be changed by God or they can't be. And I want our church to be a place where people have the opportunity to change. And hear me. Oh, no, 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 no. Listen. And then when we see, because you can become callous. When you see somebody and you believe change has happened in their life and they go back and you begin to think, can God change, really change? And the answer is yes. He can. He will. He has. You're here today. Because God has changed. You're no different. You're no different. Just because your name was never found in the police roundup. Just because you was never smeared in public. Just because people don't know all about what you've done. You better understand this. You are not different. Than any other person who comes to Jesus broken. And if God can change you and me and you, He can change anybody. And I want to be that church. And I want to be that pastor that doesn't become callous.
that doesn't become callous. Because God wants to change a lot more people. And He wants to do a lot of stuff that we haven't, has, we haven't seen Him do yet. But we got to be open to it. we got to be willing to, to say this is still a hospital for the broken, for the hurting, for the lost and out, for the ones that people have given up on, for the drug addict, for the homosexual, for the lost, for the broken. It doesn't matter what your sin is. It doesn't matter what your hang-up is. It doesn't matter what your problem is. It doesn't matter what your situation is. This is a place where you can find Jesus and He can change your life. They begin to say, no doubt, this man hasn't changed. But I love what happens here, and I thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus, standing beside him, says, verse 9, knowing what the people were saying, he speaks up and says, today, the murmurs, were, the murmurs were saying, the complainers and the gossipers were saying, he ain't nothing changed. Jesus said, he didn't, he didn't make Zacchaeus talk for himself and stand up for himself. Jesus stood up for him. Do you see that picture? Do you see that? And he said, no, today salvation has come to this house. Paul is very clear about salvation. And I've tried my best to be. But salvation has nothing to do with works. You're not saved by your works. Paul tells us over and over again, without hesitation, that no man is justified by works. That we are saved by grace. It's not about performance. That we receive Jesus by grace through faith. And it's nothing of our... It's nothing that we can do, brag about, or boast about. It's a gift of God, the Bible tells us. But then some people get confused when they read the writings of James, because then James says, faith without works is dead. And then they ask questions, which is it? Is it faith and works? Faith or works? And this is point number four. It's a faith that works. Hallelujah. What do I mean by that? When one has really had an encounter with Jesus, when Jesus comes to your house, when he comes and looks at you face to face, I'm not talking about religion, but when you've had a relationship with Almighty God, faith works. It changes your life. Things begin to change. Nothing stays the same. 
That's what he done. He come out of the house and said, I want to make things right. I want to pay you back everything I stole from you and I want to start giving to the poor. It's a faith that works. It'll cause the thief to never steal again. It causes the drug addict to put the drugs down. Come on, somebody. It causes the sinner to lay the sin down. It's a faith that works. Jesus isn't through with that murmuring much. He said, Today salvation's come to this house. And then he answers the question, why would you go eat with Zacchaeus? Verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Point five, Jesus came for no other reason but to find you and free you. Stand with me all across this sanctuary. Musicians, singers, you can come at this time. You know what you just heard today? You heard the Word of God. No doubt there's people who could preach it more elegantly than I can. But I'm like Paul when he said this. I did not come with words, enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration, the power of God. And I am not ashamed today, Romans chapter 1 verse 16 of the gospel, for what I just preached to you. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Now go ahead and get settled wherever you're going to go. Because right now this is people making a decision for eternity. Now, I want to ask you something. <clears throat> Have you had an encounter with Jesus that changes your life? And if you haven't, now, today, today is the day. Jacqueline, Jackie, who came down here today and had a pretty little baby. She's in our new believers. Small group. And she said something. And, and we have to get it. It takes us all time.
time to get it, but eventually we get it. And we were talking about Paul's writing when he said, talks about that no man is justified by the law, that you, it's not by works, you can't do this by works. You can't get to Jesus by your own effort. You never obtain right relationship with God by self-effort. And we were going through that. And she looked up and she said, so basically you're saying we'll never be good enough. And I said, yes. That's exactly right. We will never be good enough. You'll never be good enough to obtain salvation. And God knew you would never be good enough. And you know good is good. Uh, we settle for good. We love good. Good's great. But God's perfect. And when you stand before God, if all you can give Him is good, it won't be enough. So God said, I know all you can give me is good, so let me give you perfect by giving you Jesus. By giving you Jesus. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But to those who believe, He's given them the power to become the sons of God. Not about performance or behavior. Oh, I just told you, it'll change your performance. It'll change your behavior, but you will never be perfect in effort. God demands perfection. Here's the gospel. I, when I stand before God, and when you stand before God, and you will, all of us will, you can either stand and offer Him all the average things you've done, all the good stuff you've done, and say, okay, God, what do you think? And because God's perfect, He's going to say, depart from me, you work for the iniquity. I never knew you. When I stand before God, I won't stand offering Him my stuff. I'll stand not alone, but I'll stand covered with the righteousness of Jesus. And when God looks at me, He won't be able to see all the 
shortcomings. When God sees me, He'll see perfection. He'll see Keith, Jesus. Then He'll look at me because of Jesus and say, well done. you think to yourself and I think to myself now I did I haven't done good I haven't done good how could God say well done cause it ain't about me it's about Jesus and it was all set up to be about Jesus because in Jesus it glorifies the Father. And every time God sees Jesus, He thinks it was worth it. It was worth it. It was worth it. Megan, it was worth it. Teresa, it was worth it. It was worth it. So I'm going to ask you, what are you going to stand before God? What are you going to offer? You better get real. I'm real. I'm, 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 I'm done. I told you that I just told you the best news in the world. Now, if you don't believe it, you'll go to hell. But if you will believe it, you'll be assured for heaven. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who's heard this gospel and say, I'll wait till later. That's gambling on something that I, I, I wouldn't gamble with. I, me being in ministry, I just seen so many things that happen by surprise. People who die who are healthy, who are young. I tell my wife, all, this all the time nothing surprises me anymore been in ministry now 15 years and nothing surprises me waiting till tomorrow wouldn't wouldn't be a chance I'd take every head bowed and every eye closed. If you want to make, if you want to be born again, if you want to have an encounter with Jesus, that'll bring salvation to your home, to your house. That'll change your life. That'll fill the void. If you're watching online, and you know you're not, it's not right between you and God, don't wait. Allow 
Jesus to fill the void in your heart, in your soul. Allow him to make you whole. I don't want to stand before God with my, my goodness. I want to stand before God with the righteousness of Jesus. And he who knew no sin became sin so that I could become the righteousness of God. So today, with every head bowed and every eye closed today online, as you're listening and watching, you're listening on a podcast, Right now, if you're not sure about how it would stand when you stand before God and you want to make things right, you want to place your faith in Jesus today, if that's you, I want you to lift your hand right now. Lift it. I see that hand. Come on. Anybody else? I see those hands. Anybody else? online today just type out right there where you're at you're watching this online just say remember me say, remember me there's somebody online right now who's going to pray for you look at me right now everybody look at me If you raised your hand, because <clears throat> you want to make sure you, you need Jesus. Let's just say it like that. You, you need Jesus. And you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to do something hard, sir, ma'am. But it ain't as hard as what it, Jesus had to go through. talking about walking to an altar. He walked up the hill of Golgotha carrying a cross after being beaten. Today, if you want to have peace with God, forgiveness of all sin, listen to the offer I'm making as I'm talking on behalf of God. Forgiveness of all sin erased peace with God if you want that today I want you to get down to this altar where I'm at right now stand in front of me and I want to pray with you what will people think what will people say they'll celebrate you they'll celebrate you We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.